0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Packers in Law. I am Jake, the Packer veteran, and it's been two long, discouraging years. Uh, 2017 and 2018 did not really go how most Packer fans hoped, but just like the last time the Packers made the playoffs, uh, the Packers are back, not only in the playoffs, but in the NFC Championship game after a thrilling victory over their, some would say, arch rivals, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So let's uh, let's talk about it. Uh, I think... Straight off the bat with this game, I mean, there's a lot of things you can go straight off the bat with, but for me, the thing that I noticed right away during the course of the game was Rodgers rediscovered his accuracy. Uh, obviously, last week I talked about how, you know, uh, in the Detroit game, he just missed so many throws that you always or usually see Aaron Rodgers make. Like, he was just missing, you know, plays that were there, plays that were to be had if Rodgers just throws an accurate ball, which he's, you know, renowned for doing. And he was just missing and missing and missing. And then, you know, one looked like it almost cost us Aaron Jones uh, when he tried to dive and, you know, kind of landed awkwardly. But this game, Rodgers was on point. Uh, You know, all the the touch passes, the floaters, um, all that stuff was, you know, right where it needed to be. Uh, Maybe no better example than the second-to-last third-down conversion to Devontae Adams. Uh, Just a beautiful over-the-shoulder toss. Uh, to Devontae Adams, who of course we all know had a great game, set a Packers record for receiving yards in a playoff game, but uh, that was the key to this game. Really, was Rodgers just kind of—I don't know if was, you can say he remembered who he used to be because obviously he's never forgotten that, but rediscovering his form uh, and rediscovering his mojo and uh, giving the Packers maybe at least you know accuracy-wise is maybe his best game of the year. Um, it was you know it was an interesting game you know obviously uh, Devontae Adams was big throughout uh, Aaron Jones you know looked like he was going to have a huge game first carry twenty I think twenty one ish yards didn't really do much after that uh, only sixty five yards in the game Tyler Irvin had a couple of nice carries that provide sparks but really this was this was the Devontae Adams show and there's Aaron Rodgers getting him really good passes and the formations the Packers were using were really interesting um, a lot of three tight ends. Uh, to try to create one-on-one matchups, which really worked in Devontae's favor. Um, also using uh, players in situations that hadn't been used before, uh, probably most obviously, uh, Jace Sternberger, our third tight end, being used as the lead blocker uh, in place of Danny Vitali, who I think was out with, with the flu that was you know rampaging through the Packers locker room prior to this game. So uh, I really give a lot of credit to Matt LaFleur. I think he drew up a great game plan, put in a lot of formations that uh, – you know, worked out to the Packers' favor, and I mean, the proof is in the pudding with uh, with Mr. Mr. Devonte Adams here, uh, eight catches, 160 yards, and two scores on the day. Uh, the next guy, you know, nobody else besides the only other person who had more than one catch was Jimmy Graham. But uh, this is sort of a redemption game for Jimmy Graham too. You know, obviously, I think on the whole he's been a disappointment uh, since coming to Green Bay. I mean, we all knew he didn't; he wasn't the same guy he was in New Orleans. Uh, in his prime but you know we thought that maybe he'd be able to you know do at least a a modest uh, Jared Cook one healthy impression you know from 2016 Uh, but he hasn't really done that either in this game he he, I mean it it doesn't really jump out you he had three catches for 49 yards however all those catches went for first downs uh, and so they were all huge including of course the the third down conversion that iced the game and I know there's some controversy on if he actually did make the line to gain if you go back and look at the um, the replay there, and I guess Barstool Sports, or maybe it's Super Bowl Nation, uh, has a pretty good view of it. The yellow line is much further ahead than the actual first down marker. Um, so, I mean, I know if you treat the yellow line as gospel, which, lest we forget, they always tell us not to do. They say, oh, the yellow line's not official. And I, even I, you know, most of time I usually kind of laugh at that because it's usually pretty close. But in this case, boy, it was... I mean, you can tell if you look at the photographs. It is way in front of the marker. So I think he probably got it, and there's nothing that was going to overturn that anyway. So, um, you know, I know Pete Carroll said, oh, he was short. He looked short. Uh, I don't think he was, but obviously that's a done deal, so there's no point in debating that. Um, But, yeah, so Jimmy Garn came up big. Devontae Adams was huge. Um, The game plan I thought was really well called by Matt Lafleur. Uh, and on defense, the Smiths, you know, you pay these guys big money, you want them to show up in the big games, and they did. Uh, a Darius with two sacks in the first half, and then Preston with two in the second half, including the one that forced the Seahawks to punt, and that was the last time they ever had the ball. Uh, punted at the Packers, never got it back. And, uh, you know, the Packers, they did what they've done all year. They won ugly, they followed the winning ugly formula, you know, even when the Packers were up at halftime, uh... You know, I never thought, I, I, I just knew, I think most people probably felt this way, that it was going to come down to the end. Uh, even when, you know, the Seahawks got the first touchdown out of halftime and then the Packers responded, you know, I thought the response was really great, obviously. Like, it's always nice to, uh, you know, kind of seize momentum back when their team seems to be picking up steam. Um, but even then, I still felt like this this game is far from over. You know, it's not anywhere close um, to being a done deal. And, uh, and yeah, and I know last week I said that you know the biggest thing about this game was going to be gap integrity, and for the most part, I don't think the Packers did a very good job uh, maintaining their gaps. And Russell Russell Wilson was the Seattle Seahawks' leading rusher uh, in this game. Uh, let me just check the stats here real quick. So he had seven carries for 64 yards. That's nine yards a carry. Meanwhile, Marshawn Lynch had 12 carries for 26 yards. So they really shut down Lynch, didn't let him get going uh, very much, although he'd have two touchdowns really the run game was not a factor except for Ro- Russell Wilson and yeah they had they had the four sacks like I mentioned but you know still many times uh, Z'Darrius Smith in particular left lanes wide open for Wilson to take advantage of including a couple big third downs um, and, soon, and w- w- when I saw that keep happening and you know they kept on scoring in the second half I was I'll be honest I was worried I thought the Packers were done um well, I didn't think they were done but it just it made me nervous it made me really really nervous um like I said, they followed that winning of the formula. They built a big lead and then held on for dear life. And, like, it's worked so many times this year, it worked yet again. And so the Packers are on to San Francisco and the NFC Championship game, as I mentioned earlier. <coughs> Excuse me. A couple things I want to talk about here. Um, the the fumble that they ruled that uh, John Hollister, uh, or Jacob Hollister, I think his name is, uh, fumbled in the first quarter. Packers recovered. Um I thought that was weird that the Packers, they ruled that it was a fumble, but there was no clear recovery, so the Packers couldn't get the ball. You know, it's interesting, because I think if they ruled a fumble on the field, and the Seahawks challenged it, you know, there's no way they wouldn't have given that to the Packers, because, I mean, sure, you don't actually see uh, Sullivan with the ball until the play's over, until he gets up off the ground with the ball, but it was in between him and there's another Packer there kind of hugging him and trying to keep the ball away from Hollister. I don't know what more you're looking for. Um, I guess, again, by the letter of the law, I guess they're correct. There was no clear recovery. Um, But, I mean, it always kind of bugs me when, like, common sense, you know, says one thing, but the rules say something else. And common sense told you that the Packers recovered that fumble, but because it didn't meet the exact letter of the law, the you know, Packers couldn't get the ball. So I thought that was weird. And, of course, I, we have to talk about the, after the review of Jimmy Graham's play, the additional footage that came in and that they had to re-review it. I mean, can you imagine if they had overturned it based on the additional footage? Like, what, how, oh, man, the firestorm, just the, the, the anger. I mean, especially the Packers then go on to lose, Um, you know, to lose the game. Uh, But even if, they, even if let's say they overturn it, but the Packers still end up winning. Uh, just the, you know, I think we'd be talking, obviously we will, we'd be talking a lot more about this additional footage and you can't see if I'm doing air quotes, uh, than we are now. But yeah, that, that, that's a new one. I don't think anyone's ever heard that before. I know a lot of people were saying that that's the first time that that's ever happened. But if if you know them another time, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or email me. Uh, let, let us know because again, i I've never heard that before, and for it to come out for the first time in such a critical situation like that is pretty shocking. Um, But yeah, additional footage. (laughs) There's a first time for everything, I guess. Uh, Then for Unsung Hero, I don't know if we did an Unsung Hero last time. I think we did, but in any case, this week it's got to be Jared Valdir. Uh, Brian Bulaga got the flu um, before this game, you know, woke up feeling really bad. I actually had the flu about a week ago, and... I can sympathize. It was terrible. Uh, I basically spent four days in bed sleeping and not doing much else. Uh, it really kind of was not fun. Actually, it really wasn't fun at all. And uh, so Jared Vildier, half an hour before the game starts, the Packers tell him he's starting at right tackle. And I remember they, they picked this guy up, and I think it was week 13, week 14. You know, They, they coaxed him out of retirement. Uh, and the funny thing is, he apparently he was week one, You know, the first game of the season, Packers versus Bears in Chicago, he was in the stands at Soldier Field watching the game. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple weeks later, a couple months later, and uh, now he's you know starting in the NFC Divisional Playoff uh, after he thought he was done with football. So that's quite the accomplishment. And didn't allow a single pressure on Rodgers for the entire game. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but you know stats don't lie. So uh, it's got to be... Yeah, that's only that's what I heard for this game. has got to be Jared Valdir. Uh, a great game for him. So, yeah, Packers win 28-23. Take down the Seahawks and now move on to play the San Francisco 49ers, a team that walloped us uh, in Week 12, uh, 37 to eight. I think the final score was. It was something. It was bad. Uh, Packers looked completely overmatched in that game. Uh, but there's always a chance for redemption, and hopefully we'll see that this weekend. But real quick, let's talk about the other games that uh, happened uh, last weekend. So in the last episode, since I was recording it later. We already talked about the, the 49ers, you know, kind of beat down on the Vikings. And then the uh, the Titans taking down Baltimore. Uh, so Texans-Chiefs is the only other game, I guess, that happened besides the obvious one, the Packers-Seahawks. And the Chiefs win, and it was, people, a lot of people were calling it the craziest playoff game ever. And I think I'd have to agree, the, the only game that I think is similar to that in terms of a playoff game was, uh, Packer fans should know it well, the 2007 divisional game. Uh, against the Seahawks, where the Packers were losing, you know, Ryan Grant fumbled twice, and they were losing fourteen to nothing within the first ten minutes, within the first five minutes, I think, of the first quarter. And you know, it looked like the the route was on, and then the Packers ended up taking the lead uh, later in the first quarter, twenty-one fourteen, ended up winning forty-two to twenty. This was even crazier. I mean, the, the the Chiefs were down twenty-four to nothing, and then at halftime they were ahead twenty-eight to twenty-four, and then they went, you know, from the point that they were losing, they went on a fifty-one to seven scoring streak. And ended up winning the game fifty-one to thirty-one. Uh, I, think I I. I mean, I thought the Chiefs were done. I thought Houston was going to be able to, you know, hold on and, and win the game and, and you know go host the uh, the title game then against Tennessee. But boy, I got to give the Chiefs a lot of credit to dig themselves out of that hole. Yeah, they were at home, and you know, you might think yeah they're a better team than the Texans, but it's just psychologically being down that many points. Uh, Tony Romo actually talked a lot about it during the broadcast, which I thought was uh insightful. He was saying, you know, it's like you're when you're down that much, like everything becomes huge and instead of, you know, doing the things normally you start thinking like, Oh man, I gotta make this catch and then you drop something or, you know, I if you're running back, I gotta get, you know, six yards on this run and then you overthink it and, you know, you just you don't play your natural, you're playing in a more frenzied state of mind, which I think affects your performance. Um, and so the Chiefs were somehow able to avoid all that and you know, not only win the game, but retake the lead in the first half. I mean, they were down twenty-four to them. They're down twenty-four uh, in the second quarter, and they ended up scoring seven straight touchdowns, which eclipsed uh, the Packers scored six straight touchdowns in that two thousand seven game. Chiefs did them one better; scored uh, seven straight t- uh, touchdowns on seven straight drives. I should say is the official stat. Um, yeah, a couple of parallels there between the Chiefs' game and the Packers of old, but. Uh, just just a crazy game. So the Chiefs win, so they'll host the Titans uh, this coming Sunday. That'll be the early game at, I think, 205. And then at 540, we'll go back out to San Francisco, or more accurately, Santa Clara, and we will play the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, So once again, we meet again. Uh, Like I said, Packers played them earlier in the season. And if nothing else, let's just not have a repeat. Of what happened to Week 12. I mean, I, you, you guys know how much I went into, you know, when I went into that game when we covered it in Week 12. I mean, it was embarrassing. You know, Packers were coming off a bye, they had every motivation to win, and they just came out and looked terrible. They just looked awful, just, just real bad. I, I'll try not to rehash that too much, but they looked real bad in Week 12. Let's not do that again. Uh, I think by any metric you look at this, the 49ers are overall the better team. Uh, as good as our defensive line is, I think their defensive line is better. Their running game is stronger, or at least it's less streaky. They have more talent. You know, they got three. You know, they got Breda, uh, Tevin Coleman, and Raheem Mostert. They got three guys who can you know do it pretty well. Um, you know, obviously Devontae Adams, I would take him over any receiver the 49ers have except for Kittle, who's the tight end. Um, but I think overall the 49ers are the better team. Uh but I think this is great. The Packers are obviously the underdog coming into this game, especially based on, you know, everyone, I don't think many people are going to give them a chance based on what happened in week 12. I think this is perfect. This is, you know, the Packers you got nothing to lose. You're supposed to lose this game. You might as well just go out and let it all hang out. You know, Rodgers once again gets to go home relatively speaking to California and, you know, try to win a game, a playoff game there. Uh So I think he'll be motivated, especially with what happened before. I think a lot of the Packers will be motivated to prove that what happened Week 12 was a fluke. Um, So I guess really the big question going into this game is, will Aaron Rodgers finally live up to his famous draft day quote? Uh, You can look this up on YouTube if you want. Somebody asked him after he finally got drafted by the Packers uh, how disappointed he was that he was not a 49er. Uh, And he he responded that he wasn't disappointed he was not disappointed the 49ers would be that they didn't draft him. Uh, And so obviously when they played San Francisco in the divisional round in 2012, they kept playing that quote and everyone thought Aaron Rodgers would come out and set San Francisco on fire. And then, you know, Colin Kaepernick ended up setting the Packers' defense on fire in that game. Um, But maybe this will be the chance Rodgers has to finally live up to that quote and, uh, you know, finally, I guess, stick it to the team I mean, obviously, if the 49ers could go back and do it again, they would have drafted Rodgers instead of Alex Smith, uh, just based on, you know, production and talent. But, uh, you know, in terms of actually playing the Packers, you know, the, the Packers beat the 49ers in, in 2015 when Colin Kaepernick had kind of fallen off the, the wagon in terms of his performance. But, you know, in terms of playing the Packers, the 49ers have played them pretty well since they drafted Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I guess they're not too sad in that regard. Um, but, you know, obviously they've won a Super Bowl since then, so tough to say. Um, like I said, they obviously would take him now, but, you know, May Rogers will finally get a chance to, to stick it to his to his hometown team for not taking him all the way back in, in 2004. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, in terms of my prediction for the game, again, I think the 49ers are the better team. I love this position the Packers are not being the favorite. I love the fact that they, you know, are probably being counted up by probably, I would say, 70% of. The analysts that I've seen, you know, they have like the panel and, you know, if there's 10 people I think probably only 2 or 3 are picking Green Bay, which, again, I totally understand. Um, I'm going to pick the Packers to win. I mean, your team makes it this far. There's no reason not to pick them. I'm not saying they will win, uh, obviously. 49ers are a good team, but uh, honestly, as long as they don't play like they did in Week 12, I think I'll be satisfied. Um, Unless they go to a huge lead and then for once choke it away, then I'll probably be upset, but I think the Packers are going to have what it takes to win. You know, with Rodgers and the team being motivated from Week 12, I think they can get in there and uh, pull off the upset. And hopefully uh, move on to uh, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl this year, which would be great. Uh, so, yeah, that's the episode for this week. Uh, as always, you can find us on future.com. It's a Packer fan site. Lots of cool stuff. Go check it out. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us at Uh And we will talk to you guys in the next episode.